Welcome back to Humanity Unlocked. I am your host, Kimberly Dyer, and I am here today with Maya Moreno, who will be my guest for this episode. We also have our resident therapist, Katera Ross, joining us as today's topic falls within her wheelhouse and is something she has a fair amount of experience speaking to her clients about. When I met with Maya for the pre-interview, there were a few different topics that came up for discussion, but the most prevalent of all was her experience with antidepressants. Her story begins nearly 20 years ago with a difficult breakup that led to a prescription medication, which in turn led to her picking up the pieces of her health for over a decade later. As a population, most of us know the benefits of taking antidepressants, but many of us are not aware of the risks. When antidepressants are prescribed appropriately, one should assume that the benefits should outweigh the risks. In Maya's case, there is some question as to whether or not a proper risk assessment was performed by her physician. A cascade of physical side effects such as gastrointestinal issues, gut dysbiosis, overactive bladder, and severe sleep disturbances were born over a span of six years. Maya has been off these medications for 13 years, yet she continues to struggle with the fallout of her physical health. This episode is a cautionary tale of one person's experience with a medication that, looking back, she may have never needed in the first place. Welcome to the studio, Maya, and welcome back, Katera. Okay, I want to begin with a disclaimer for our listeners, and that is just to say, you know, this conversation, it's not intended to substitute, to be a substitute for professional medical or psychiatric advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any follow-up questions or concerns you might have with respect to what is best for you and, and your health. I just, I just want to make sure that's clear. We're not doctors or psychiatrists. Um, this is just getting one person's side of the story on a topic that I don't feel is talked about too often, but it's something I've actually heard about more than just once. So um, that is the topic we're dis- uh, discussing today. So I want to begin by having you, Maya, take us back to when this all started. You were 26 mm-hmm. and you had just gone through a breakup that left you in a, in a bad headspace. Yes. Dealing with depression and irritability. And the next thing you know, you have prescription of antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And so let's start there. How did you wind up with the prescription and when when your doctor prescribed it to you, what were you told about it? Well, I remember very vividly because it was brand new. It was when I guess we could actually like look it up when Lexapro first came on the market. So it was probably like a date because it was so new that they weren't even prescribing it. It was just um, samples. So I remember I got samples of Lexapro. So it was that new. And I the doctor was like, well, you know, it's it's new. It's supposed to be amazing. Okay. So, you know, I take it and I take it for probably roughly if I had to guesstimate three to six months Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden oh you're you know and I had really good health insurance at the time and they're like oh your health insurance doesn't cover anymore we got to put you on something different so then that's what I did and I just continued to stay on it when you when you went to did you go to the doctor for that purpose did you go and say hey I think I need to be on antidepressants because I'm going through this yeah. depression because of my break like what how did that all occur yeah so it was just I lived with the person and it was one of the hardest things that I had to separate myself from and I didn't have a lot of emotional support from people that I felt like I needed it the most from and um that was like my biggest issue and I remember going to the doctor you mean you go to the doctor you go there right. for help you right. know and you're like right. okay help me I'm not feeling well and at the time I had a trusted like physician and um nurse practitioner Mm -hmm. that I liked more than my doctor so Mm -hmm. I saw her a little bit more than I saw my actual doctor and she was always very kind to me and I remember like just going through the motions where I thought that working 
every day in tears was just not right. It just, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I couldn't like, you know, do the things I wanted. I mean, I got up out of bed every day, but it was just mm -hmm. every day. It was just tears every single day. Just right. upset. And, you know, just. So wait, so you went to the doctor saying, I'm going through this. I can't cope anymore. And they just said, okay, here's this prescription. Yes. Were you told anything about it or what to expect? Not, I mean, my recollection was they probably just told me, you know, take it and take it this way and start with this dose. And, and because it was such a new prescription, because it was samples, I just got whatever dose they gave me right. and it was just. And had you ever been on antidepressants prior to that? No. And there probably no thought about whether or not this was going to be a permanent fix or temporary or how it would affect anything. Nothing like that. No thought of, yeah. okay, of, what, of what direction it might go. Yeah. Um, was there any conversation about therapy or did the doctor advise you to couple therapy with it? No, not at all, really. I mean, I think it was, I think I was seeing, um, I think I was seeing a therapist or trying to see someone at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think I was doing that on my own. Okay. But I'm sure the doctor, I mean, if I had to say yes, the doctor probably did suggest it, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So just on a, a side note, I want to ask Katera about this, um, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, why is it so important to couple therapy? Because, and I and I want to ask you specifically because you and I have actually had these conversations. Mm -hmm. Katera is somebody that's very close to me. Um, she's our therapist. We we've talked about this, um, and we've talked about the importance of coupling therapy with antidepressants. What what is it about joining the two together that is so is powerful and necessary? For most people. Well, I mean, I think it's important to first differentiate the purpose between medications and therapy because there tends to be a lot of confusion when speaking on this subject. So in which I've had to explain to many of my clients um, and people that I know, um, I mean, the role of medication is to help reduce symptoms. That's pretty much what medication is for, um, whether it's anxiety or depression. Um, but therapy teaches a person coping strategies on how to manage those symptoms. Um, and while medication can be really effective for many people, there's a tendency to become, you know, reliant on it like because, yeah, because mm -hmm. let's face it, it is much easier and more efficient way to treat their symptoms mm -hmm. rather than spending the time meeting with a therapist to address, you know, their issues that they may not want to confront directly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and what a majority of people may not understand is that medication in many instances is not meant for long-term consumption. So when a doctor refuses to continue prescribing, like an antidepressant or especially an anti-anxiety medication, that client's still going to struggle with symptoms because they were not really addressed. Right. Um, right. So combining medication in conjunction with therapy can really increase like the treatment effectiveness. You know, it's funny because this is slightly off topic, but I think it's very relevant for right now. And I think you guys will both agree. So, you know, the Ozempic craze that's going on right now yeah. with the weight loss drug. Yep. Well, a lot of, you know, I... I'm a curious person, as we know, and I'm not trying to lose weight, but I'm like, what is going on with this? And the the advice that I'm hearing from doctors or whatever is that use this opportunity while you're on this medication to start changing your lifestyle behaviors and exercise and eating. And while while this medication is sort of helping you with 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 coping with some of what got you there, mm -hmm. is that, does that make sense? Yeah. And that way, when you wean off of it, your lifestyle, you've correct, you know what I'm saying? You've right, improved yeah. some of the, those habits, those bad habits. So it kind of reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. um, but you're saying you were on therapy. Do you feel like, I or, mean, 
not on therapy. <laughs> yeah, well, you in were therapy. Seeking, in, in therapy, thank you. I was on my own actually through through my uh, job at the time and uh, same job I currently have. But it, they actually have programs where they can get you into someone. And I remember seeing this woman, and I remember the entire time I would just cry the entire time talking to her, and she was so sweet and she was a really good listener. I'll give yeah. her that. Yeah. But I don't feel like I got any real help from her. And then I think that I was off and on i did find this one woman i can't remember her name but um she was she was pretty good and i i went to her for a while but it was so long ago i just remember like bits and pieces like i would go and i wouldn't it was never addressed it was never like the doctor followed up oh are you seeing it that never was coming out of their mouth so ever. you were not getting yeah. like a momentum yeah building a momentum with therapy because i know yeah. with therapy as i understand it katara it's like one week leads to the next, leads to the next, and mm-hmm. you're hopefully picking up some. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And coping skills of some sort. It yeah. wasn't until I got off of them that I was seeking like a huge amount of different types of therapy and psychology. And what psychiatry. you realize yes. what's underneath mm-hmm. all that uh-huh. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So definitely during the no, just on them and taking them like little candies in the morning. How did it? How yeah. did, did it help? Did the antidepressant? I mean, well, yeah. How did, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like here. I went through a phase where, I mean, I was 26, 27, and I was single, and I got my own place. I was able to get this really nice place. I was partying and going to happy hour, like, religiously. Mm -hmm. Like, that is what I did. I went to work. I went to happy hour. I drank too much. And, you know, one of the things it says clearly on the bottle, or Mm -hmm. not even on the bottle. Does it even say it on the bottle? Okay. Well, I never read the bottle. So I just remember thinking, like... That, that, you know, and then the doctors will say loosely, oh, you can have a few drinks on them, you know, or it's okay to drink moderately. But who does that? Mm-hmm. Who drinks moderately? I drank when I was on them. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. And so um, that's another thing that doctors just say, drink, you can drink moderately. I, but, don't you think yeah. some people's tolerance is different, though? Oh, exactly. yeah. yeah. For, for yeah. sure. 100%. Um, I gained a tremendous amount of weight. Mm-hmm. Tremendous amount of weight when mm-hmm. I was on them, you know. Do you think that, um, well, okay, so we'll... F- Two things. One thing mm-hmm. is, um, I think it's tricky with insurance. I think that insurance companies are happy to pay for the prescription mm-hmm. and with very little out-of-pocket cost mm-hmm. to the to the patient typically. Um, it, I find that it is that therapy, ongoing therapy is less accessible, less accessible. And as far as an ongoing good therapy is less accessible 100%. to the patient. And insurance companies, it's not always covered as uh-huh. often as like Alexa Pro would be. Mm-hmm. And so in so many of us, and I have been in these shoes before, are looking for that quick fix. You just want to feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You will do anything just to feel better. Just take the edge off. And so once you feel better, it's like, I don't even want to think about this. I just want to get back to living my life. And yeah. I have been there, believe me, for most for long, a decade, probably. I was in that in that spot. So I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what's, what was the second thing I was going to ask you? Um, oh, crap. I already forgot it. Sorry. Anyway. What were you just telling me? Well, I just want to say, yeah. oddly enough, now that I'm thinking about it in front of you, Lexapro is what I actually got back on to yeah. taper off the, all the feelings I was having. So okay. when I started it, it was so new. wasn't uh-huh. even covered by insurances. So new. Yeah. Okay, it handed it out. Then when I was coming off of everything and I was coming off the Celexa and I tried to just taper off that way where I was chopping it up smaller and smaller. Right. Which I we're had, gonna go through that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lexapro actually I got back on for six months. Okay. To get completely off of everything. So mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. went to your doctor mm-hmm. that for that first prescription, um, 
you probably don't remember, but I'm just like, I'll, always hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I think yeah. we all do that. Like, what could I have done differently to save yeah. me from all of this? Like, maybe, um, I mean, how how could it have been done differently? Maybe the doctors say, hey, we need to focus on some lifestyle improvements or changes. I mean, yeah. going looking back, are you, do you wish you had never started them? I wished I mean, I that, know we're going to get into why yeah. you, yeah. I wished, yes some of those things i wish that the doctors could have been a little bit more uh more education yeah more educated i was a young you know it was 20 mid right. to late 20s um which is still very young yeah looking very back young. On, no, yeah i still feel very young at 45 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah and and i don't really recall now that we're talking about it i don't recall them really telling me oh make sure you're in therapy or you know that's not anything that really came out of their mouths i'm just i think honestly it's yeah. more um popular now yeah for, for people more so talk, now yeah oh yeah therapy. it talks about a lot more yeah. now yeah um i wish i could remember what i was gonna ask you it'll probably come back to me but um okay so first few years on the medication um you did you said you didn't really understand why you were taking it like well like i just were, yeah. yeah just you know when you're in tears all the time when you're emotionally drained from you know just feeling hurt from feeling sad you know and my relationship with my mother wasn't the best and when i would try to talk to her about it oh, it was the only person that can really relate to this conversation would be my little sister. We talk about it all the time where it's like we go to our mother, we want to say things, we want we want that help from her. And it's just, why did we say something? You know, yeah. it was just, it was tough. It was, and looking back on it now, you know, my mom herself didn't have the best relationship. So what she could really compare it to, I don't know, you know. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those things where I look back on it and I just really wanted some help from anything from anyone and it just wasn't getting that type of emotional support and um the antidepressants were a quick fix but also i just felt just so desperate just mm -hmm. desperate just desperate to feel better desperate to want to make myself feel better to get over this feeling of just you know wanting to not hurt over this person or hurt over what was going on inside of me, you yeah. know? So it's I just, think everybody can relate yeah. to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the, the difference is, is that some people do have the support network and they have family and friends who can really be there for them. And then those who don't, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. If nobody's pointing you towards getting proper therapy or in, and, and, and believe me when I say I am not dissing on antidepressants, they helped me. I, I was on them for a while. They've helped me. Yeah. I am, I'm on currently a medication where a component of it is an SNRI. Mm -hmm. So I understand the need for them. But, um, I think sometimes there's an over prescribing that occurs yes. when, um, breakups happen all the time. Right. Yeah. So sometimes you, you're prescribing a medication that can have all of the, these side effects that you are not prepared for you didn't know about when really you just needed to heal from your breakup yeah in a, maybe well, a different weight way. gain alone is a huge mm -hmm. and I, i've discussed that with doctors like well what quality of life or weight gain i'm like no one wants to gain weight nobody does i mean some people that are too thin want to i suppose but i but mean did, most yeah. people yeah. don't <laughs> yeah but yeah. but it does sound like looking back that there you weren't there weren't a ton of other options mm -hmm. being at least suggested to you yeah. is what you're trying to say okay yeah. um all right so let's talk about the physical side effects um what wh first of all you you said your doctor didn't even break up some of the, some of the side effects that you could experience that was not a, a conversation no, no never okay never did you did did you know when they started that where they were coming from 
Well, so one of the biggest towards the end when I was really deciding I wanted to be off of them, I was married at the time. And I remember like I'd wake up from sleeping and I just felt like I ran a marathon. I was never, I might have, I would have these vivid dreams, like just very vivid dreams. And I would just feel like I was awake the whole night, but I was sleeping. And these dreams, I still dream, but it was different when I was on them. It was just like, I didn't feel like I slept the whole night and my body was unhealthy. I was drinking a ton of coffee. I remember I would wave my hand up in the morning. My ex-husband was Italian. We used to make espresso <laughs> shots in the morning. And I would just like hold my arm up in the morning and be like, oh, a shot of espresso. Oh. Like I just, I just, <laughs> that's how I would get up every morning. I wouldn't exercise. Um, so they I made mean, you groggy-ish? Is that? I just didn't sleep. You know, oh, that was years oh. and years and years of taking them to the point where I just wasn't sleeping. And then when I really started to figure out, okay, you know, like, I feel so terrible. I feel so terrible. And I would look at looking into it. Mm -hmm. And I went to see a couple natural paths mm -hmm. and some different people that did the muscle testing that we talked about. Um, and I was on birth control, too. So it's another subject. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I got off like everything. And I just was trying to make myself healthier. But detoxing from all of that was just like, yeah, yeah, it was. It was so, so prior to getting on them, um, you didn't have sleep disturbances? I was always not such a good, uh, I, I didn't sleep well ever really. But I remember that made it so much worse. Plus, uh, pounding espresso drinks and coffee didn't help either. I finally, I gave up coffee. I yeah. don't drink coffee at all. Wow. Uh-huh. I gave up coffee completely. Wow. Yeah. So can't it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. People can't imagine it either. Um, the anxiety, all of it combined, you know, like I remember there was a few people that stood out in my mind. There was a, it was, you know, an assistant. It wasn't even like a doctor. She kind of said to me, you know, when you have a, you know, mind, that is active. It's always like that. It's not just the antidepressant. I had so many key people tell me little tidbits that weren't even a doctor, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like the doctor, you look to doctors to help you and to say the right things. And they often don't. Wait, what, what did yeah. she mean? She meant you had so I remember I was, I would, I was so desperate for help uh -huh. that I'd be sitting in the, you know, doctor's office and the help me out with yeah, the, the, assistant, the, 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 assistant, assistant, the assistant, the medical assistant, the medical assistant. Yeah. yeah. They had like these bright things that they were saying to me. And I remember thinking like this one time I was just saying, gosh, you know, I'm just not sleeping. She's like, well, you know, if you have an active mind, because I do, I have, you know, I'm yeah. always thinking and all of the things, you know, what. It, so she was like, then that's how it is. Regardless, it just intensifies. So I feel like the medication. She's saying the medication mm -hmm. intensifies that? Yes. Oh. Which made perfect sense right. to me. Because that's when I was like, oh, you're I've right. I've never even heard of that. And, I haven't either. And, no. and to, it made sense to me. And right after she said that, I was like, because you have to kind of just accept who you are. You know, like I have yeah. a creative mind. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm artistic. And I, yeah. you know, I like, you know, creative things. And so it, when she said that, I was like, okay, like I, I am. I think about stuff all the time. I'm always curious about different things and subjects. And and, and I and I, that's that's why when I was sleep at night and dreaming about all these things it just is intensified even more mm -hmm. you know okay so you slept but you were not getting restful sleep basically. not not so, at okay. all not and at then all with the overactive bladder and like the gastrointestinal gut dysbiosis, did was that all also credited back or attributed back to 
So that got worse because I was doing so many unhealthy things for my body, Mm -hmm. the drinking, the eating poorly, you know, because when you are on antidepressants, you, not everyone, but for my situation, I just didn't care what I did, how I hurt myself. Mm -hmm. And I was hurting myself every day. The drinking, the eating poorly, the gain, the weight gain, the things I was doing, the staying up all night, all those things that I was, I just had a big party life. And even when I met my ex-husband, we, we met in a party life atmosphere and we kept the party going as we were married. And I just it's was, so yeah. interesting yeah. how it affects people so differently. Yeah. Our, well, our bodies, bodies are of so course. different from one another. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and then some people, and I was just discussing this with my friend, you know, you can meet some people that their skin looks great. They look like they're healthy and they drink every night 100%. and they're fine, you know? And it's like, my body was just basically saying, stop, you're hurting me. That's yeah. where it's like, I don't think, I don't know, like, I, I'm not, oops, I'm not a medical professional because I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but I just think, I just think like, how, how are the, how are they not screening these things a little more carefully? Yeah. Like some of the stuff, like, it seems to me like they should be screwed. Like, you know what? Like, I feel like with um, opioids, like um, some, they, they screen pretty well for that because of the crisis and mm-hmm. everything. But sometimes I feel like with the psychiatric stuff, um, they don't screen as carefully. Yeah. And some, and it sounds like sometimes there could be situations where you're really playing with someone's, not just their mental health, but their physical health. Oh, and yeah, it could create all kinds of problems uh-huh. if you're not careful. So um, I think by and large, it's probably, a, you know, you don't hear about this stuff that often, but it could be catastrophic yeah first i don't know that's what it sounds like and sensitivity to medications i mean is is everywhere for everyone Uh and i mean i can't tell you how many times doctors have said oh well that doesn't happen that that won't happen or that's very rare yeah Yeah. Yeah. can i ask you how how high you were on how many dosage oh my gosh i can't even remember i could dig back into it um i think the starting is like 10 5 or or 10 10 yeah and then um maybe i got up to twice. Okay, so yeah. not not crazy. I, was, I wasn't it crazy high. Very much. It didn't yeah. just a it, little bit. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, did they have you on like sixty mil? Like, right? How? No, I wasn't that high. And I remember like requesting not to be that high. And um, but well, yeah, milligrams is I think um, h- higher side of normal, maybe. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It just depends on the medication. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right, and then okay, so then you 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 met your now ex-husband yeah you guys got married when you were 31 um about like a year later you decided you want to start a family and try to get off the medication and you went to your doctor to ask about weaning um what was the protocol that she gave you and what was your experience with that so her protocol and i remember my doctor she was just very like cut and dry black and white you know and she's like okay well you need to just take one every other day and i'm like every other day and i just never forget that i thought Mm -hmm. that was so strange and it made me literally crazy and you know with my ex-husband he would you know question you know why are you taking this like why are you unhappy like why are you doing this you know and so when I went to my doctor to talk to her she just that was her recipe to get off of it was to take one every other day then one every other two days and I remember that's when I started to really go cuckoo like it was just like what you know because your body's not like skipping a whole day yeah it was just that was the what she had asked me to do and i thought that's so weird you know and then it wasn't until 
I went to go see probably, and I'm so sorry because it is very cloudy because it was okay. a tough time in my life because I can't remember every detail, but I did see a couple different doctors. I did try to taper off. And then it was my oldest sister who was like, you need to like chop it up, chop it up smaller, chop it up smaller, and then get off of it that way. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so I know. So I did that. And then um, once I did that, then I started feeling really strange because I was off of it completely and my body was just detoxing from it. And I remember very vividly this one incident where I was in a room at work. I was upstairs in the lunchroom and I just started having this weird out-of-body experience where I was having, I guess, a panic attack. Because some people talk about panic attacks all the time. I never mm-hmm. had a panic attack. I mean, I have times where I feel panicky, but I don't like an actual panic attack. I've heard them described and I remember thinking, I have to get out of this room right now. And I left and I walked down the hall and I went to the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm, everything's okay. Like I had to talk myself mm-hmm. down and I didn't tell anybody. I just went to the bathroom and I remember thinking, I have never had this happen to me before. This never happened to me before. I got the antidepressants. This is very strange. This is something I can't explain, you know, and it was just bizarre and it never happened to me again. It was just the one time, but it was really weird. And it wasn't, I hadn't been drinking. In fact, I got off alcohol completely, stopped drinking coffee, point, yeah. alcohol, everything. Cause you were trying, you were going to be getting, wanting to get pregnant and everything. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I was trying my best to just be healthy. And that's another thing too. That's what you have to do to be healthy. Just be healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, people have such a tough time with it. Like mm-hmm. no alcohol, doing the best thing that you can to help your body. I mean, I was trying so hard. It was tough. My husband still drinking, still doing those things. So it was, it was tough, but he was very supportive. Oh, you know, in a way he was very support. He was very supportive. I give him credit because he definitely saw the mental anguish I was going through. My mother did too. My mother helped out a lot with it as well. Mm -hmm. She actually paid for Michael Quaker, can I talk about him? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's my doctor. Yeah, too. okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, she helped me with that. There's no way I could have afforded. So he's a, yeah. he's, he does a lot of holistic, but he's also, he's, a, he's an MD. Yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah. Um, he does both. Yeah. But he's very woo-woo. <laughs> yes. Like, like he does, he's, he's very into homeopathy, but uh-huh. it works really well. Yes. Yeah. So and it worked well for you, right? There was a lot of that. Yes. There was a lot of I did both holistic and Western meta in the middle. Yeah. Type of thing. To to help with the detoxing? That and just help me get my head on straight. Because I was he actually got me on a three month leave from work. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't even thought about that. But I was not at this point was not sleeping at all. So I went from sleeping with dreams to not sleeping at all so I just wasn't sleeping I went through months and months and months of that where I just couldn't sleep at all and I'd given up coffee and yeah. that was tough you and know lack of sleep is definitely affects your mind yeah like, yeah so it was completely. like all of that and then I was taking low dose of sleeping pills um lorazepam or mm-hmm. yeah I was taking a few different things that were just making me feel worse because they would work and then they wouldn't work. But I was going to all, you know, neuro doctors. I was going to, I was, I, I was, it was desperate so for help. So your chief complaint at that point was the sleeping issue yes. probably. Yeah. Okay. It was the sleeping issue is my body always felt tingly. Like I couldn't relax. Um, I could feel everything in my body, the stomach issues, the overactive bladder. It was a nightmare. Well, yeah. I wonder how much of that, um, 
I, I'm not sure how it is with, with antidepressants. Well, I guess it would, well, yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Um, I mean, don't they, they sort of hijack your neurotransmitters a bit. Because yeah. I know because with, with, even with, um, with my prescription, which is, um, an opioid slash, um, serotonin, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, it's tramadol. Um, it, those, uh, hijack my neurotransmitters. And I know when you're, when you're off of them, it is, you're like wonky because mm-hmm. they're not working. They've always had this, this helping hand that's sort of doing the work for it. And so you take that hand away and then it's like having, right. Is that, yeah. Yeah. So you experience I instability. was trying to seek out different doctors and cause I, I remember at the time my insurance like wasn't covering anymore cause I was still working for the same company, but I also was my insurance for some reason wasn't covering for Sutter anymore. So then I switched, I was trying to go to UC Davis. I remember one incident where I was talking to a doctor and I was telling her my feelings and how I was, it's just someone brand new, didn't know her. And she had said to me, I think you really should get on something. And I said, well, I'm trying to explain to you that I don't want to do that. It's just this is how I'm feeling right now. And then I said, let me ask you a question. If you prescribe something to me, because I was hearing lots of cases where people were like feeling suicidal when they got Mm -hmm. on something or also, you know, just killing themselves, you know. So I said, if you, because this is what she said, her exact words were, or if I don't advise you to get something and I'll prescribe you something and you kill yourself, I can get in a lot of trouble. That is what she said to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if you prescribe me something and I have a bad reaction and then I kill myself? Do you get in trouble then? And she looked at me and said, no. I'm like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it was just so bizarre. I would have these interactions with doctors and I'm like, I'm, how are you a doctor? How? Right. It was so, and I mean, this is a true story. And even with my doctor, previous to that visit, when I was trying to ask her for help, she says to me, you need to be on this Maya forever for the rest of your life. And I was like, what? And when she said that, I was like, game on. Like, what? Uh, like, challenge accepted. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> how, do, how do you know that about me? You know, you like, and, and so it was just, I was not getting any support from the medical doctors. So Dr. Michael Quaker definitely was a breath of fresh air yeah. Um, with, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was tough. Yeah. So- so, so after it sounds like, um, once that all worked itself out with the mm-hmm. neuro, cause I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I think it's neurotransmitters. Yeah. Then it, then it became more about the physical issues. Yes. Okay. More about the physical issues. Okay. And I was going to physical therapy, um, for my bladder issues mm-hmm. and I was going to different, all different types of doctors that were doing not Reiki, but like I did, uh, Herb Acres. Another guy that kind of helped me, I was um, going to see him. He was doing like this muscle, basically deep tissue, just trying to get the body in line. And um, I was doing all kinds of stuff that I pay out of pocket for. I will say that it was expensive. Can I ask, so yeah. with the physical stuff, because I know for the listeners, a lot of, first of all, a lot of people are on antidepressants. A lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of yeah. us either have been on them or are on them. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we have physical issues and we don't need, we don't know if they're coming from that or if they're something that's completely unrelated. Um, did you ever um, talk to your doctor and uh, your, your um, allopathic primary care doctor before you got off of them and say, Hey, is this, is, are, is, is, are these pills 
doing this to me? Like, was there ever a conversation no. about whether or not that was side effect related? No. How did you come to learn that that actually could be due to the antidepressant? Well, now that I think about it and all the different types of people that I've seen, like people that do massage, it intensifies. So your body is already a certain way. You know, you're sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just to everything mm -hmm. emotionally, physically. So when you already have the sensitivity and you're taking something that blocks like, okay, because I think for me personally, this was my own individual experience. I still dealt with the tummy issue, the bladder issue, all of that, but I just didn't care as much. Right. And then I, cause it didn't go away. Cause that's what they try to tell you. Oh, you'll, your IBS will get better. Oh, your overactive bladder will get better if you do this. No, it doesn't get better. It just makes you not care about it. And then what do you do? You're destroying your body because you're not, in my experience, I was destroying my body because I was doing the things that were wrong for my body, my individual body. And I was hurting myself by eating the wrong foods, drinking all the time, you know, all the things that I did um, that really just made me feel worse. Yeah. So basically yeah. it desensitizes you. Yes. It desensitizes and you to this. I things. truly feel like that's what it does. Now one could argue or someone have a different experience, but well, I don't know. I, a lot of people talk about that, like the numbing effect. Yeah. Oh, I hear yeah. all the time. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I should be sad or I feel sad, yeah. but I'm not. The lack I'm of emotion. Heartbroken. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think. Which is not a bad thing for the right. I feel, yeah. I feel like that should be said. Like. Yeah. There are instances, obviously, in circumstances where it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And there's other like life, life issues that we should all know, have, have the tools and be equipped to handle without, you know, a, uh, a synthetic. You yeah, know, like you know. don't want to feel depressed, but you don't want to like have absolutely no emotion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like well, creatives have a hard. You're creative. Oh. Yeah. Creatives have a hard time with um with it because it numbs their. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did you experience that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I uh, <laughs> I journaled because it was you know people often right you know, everybody journal journal. I looked back on my journals during that time frame. I never want to read those journals again. It was like reading a horror film. <laughs> this wow. is how I felt. Like it was, it was bad. It was bad. I think I found something a few years ago or maybe months ago. And I, I find things, I save everything. I'm kind of a hoarder that way where I just have things that I save and I go through them and I look at stuff and it was like, not okay. It was, it was things really, I was having very, because I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping for months. Yeah. And the person that had to put up with the most was my ex-husband. And he was very supportive. And I will say I could not have done it without him. He definitely, like, he was there. He saw the type of mental anguish I was in. And the mental anguish, just pointing that out, is like, there's one thing to be sad, to be emotional, to be uh, angry. But when you are just spent because you are just hurting mentally, that's a different type of feeling totally that right. people can yeah. see. Yeah. And Totally I, get it. And my mom and him definitely saw that in me. And they're like, okay, she needs help. We're going to help. You know, we're going to put our emotions aside and we're going to help her. And this was after you got off then? Yes. Yeah, so you're really like raw dogging it. like Raw <laughs> dogging it. And my aunt who passed away just last year, my dad's um, uh, only living sister, she told me, honey, it gets real dark before you see the light. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. Because very true. 
Yeah, it's almost like getting off of anything that you're yeah. like any right. any substance you're addicted to or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me ask you, yeah. Katera. Um, I you know, I think you've alluded to this. I'm guessing there's gonna be there's some clients or patients who you probably known um who begin taking antidepressants and they don't they don't have any plans to get off of it and there's others that approach it you know like that bridge that would sort of gently move them out of that dark place um what is the difference between somebody who doesn't use it as the bridge and somebody who um uses or somebody that doesn't somebody that does i should say does it have to do with the severity of their mental health diagnosis um have you encountered a significant percentage of people who they truly need to be on it in order to function and participate in the world around them like comfortably oh yes i mean like for people who struggle with like more severe mental health issues like schizophrenia or like bipolar disorder i mean those individuals may need to be on medication you know going like for their life their whole lifetime yeah because you know the severity of those symptoms you know they usually are really hard to treat just with therapy alone right i would imagine you know um you know, and, and now people who struggle with anxiety disorders typically are prescribed like an anti-anxiety medication um, to treat their symptoms, but only on a temporary basis um, with the recommendation to seek therapy simultaneously because anxiety is very treatable. So is depression with therapy even alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason is that a number of, you know, anti-anxiety medications that we kind of talked about earlier, like Clonopin or Ativan, uh, Xanax, um, Valium. There's like, we call them controlled substances for a reason because there's a risk that they can be, you know, abused. Um, you know, so, I mean, like I said, anxiety and depression and other disorders can be very treatable with, with therapy and not, but if you pair with medication, it obviously is more effective. Um, and there's a greater reduction in symptoms if you pair the two together. Right. Um, but if you, you know, so yes, I've worked with like many clients, specifically those with like paranoid schizophrenia and bipolar that just really have a hard time managing their symptoms without medication. Mm-hmm. So they need to kind of, you know, stay on those for long term um, because they can't really function in life. I mean, you know, they can't really hold a, a job down. They can't maintain, you know, good relationships with others. So, I mean, overall, the two together really makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that makes sense. I, I would just don't, I don't ever want to be like a reductionist with this kind of thing, because I, again, this goes back to the overprescribing. So I yes. just think that it's really a situation where it's not that there are not people out there that truly need these for oh, the rest of their lives. A hundred percent. And then there's those yeah. of us who we need them just to be a bridge mm-hmm. to gently guide us to where we need to go and give us the capacity to make the changes we need to make. Well, and you have to do the work yourself, you know, you, and so it's interesting because I've had conversations with doctors that have said things like, yeah, we're lazy, we're lazy individuals. You know, it's like people come in and they want to, you know, uh, my doctor (laughs) said to me, this wasn't too long ago. And I thought, oh, mind you, she was just talking about me, her individual patient and the patient she has. Cause I had said, oh, I put on a little weight and I was kind of telling her something. And she's like, Maya, you are my healthiest patient you're by far my healthiest patient. And I'm like, I am like, and so, you know, not in the whole hospital, but she met her, you know, Uh, and it's, I try so hard, you know, every day, it's a struggle every day, like just to be like, you know, feel right about what I'm trying to do. I don't always make the best decisions. Um, But I will never, ever 
ever get back on an antidepressant. Yeah. Um, well, the thing to kind of go back to what I said is that yeah. with therapy, I mean, you're you're learning coping strategies. Yeah. So if you're just taking medication alone, you're not you're not uncovering the whole root of the issue behind yeah. why am I so anxious? Why I'm so depressed? The yeah. medication is going to mask that. Yeah. So therapy, you need to learn other skills on top of you know. Yeah. It's like the Ozempic. It's exactly. a good example. It's yeah. like learn how to change your lifestyle when you're not starving all the time. Yeah. You know, it's very, very hard to, to diet when you're starving all the time. When you're on the Ozempic, the hunger goes away. It's very, then at that point you can start introducing new foods and you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. feel like that's such a good, I don't know. It feels to me very relevant for the, t for right now. Every, I don't, do you guys, am I the only one that hears no, about no, this no, all the time? I, no, I just heard a whole episode oh, God, uh, the other day about Ozempic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In my gym, like at my gym, there's a lot of conversations about it. Um, okay. So going back to like the weaning that <laughs> she had you do, which was skipping every other day. I want to, what is the, for Katera, what does this process generally look like? Like the weaning period, um, the clients you've had that have been through this, um, because I, I would think, I, I mean, I, I think in pictures a lot of times. And so what I would think is that when you're on an antidepressant, all of your, you're numbed out or not numbed out. That's really bad. Um, your, your, the, the edges of your emotions are a little bit, uh, blunted or numbed. Right. Mm -hmm. So then when you get off of the medication, does all of that like rush to the top and you get overwhelmed by it? Or like, what is the process of weaning? What should that look like? Cause to me, it's the overwhelming of all those medications not being numbed anymore that I think it would scare me. I mean, it right. probably scares people enough to get right back on them afterwards. Oh, not, not Maya in her mm -hmm. case, but right. what should it look like? Well, I mean, you have to really, the client has to communicate with their provider, whoever, whoever the prescriber is, whether it's like your psychiatrist or your primary care physician, to let them know that you want to, you know, get off these medications. Um, I mean, too many clients make the mistake of like just stopping them cold turkey mm -hmm. and you can have major physical and mental health side effects. So if you're an anxious person, you have to struggle with anxiety, it can bring intensify your anxiety even more so or, you know, depression brings on more depression. Um, and again, too, like we talked about earlier. You have to wean off very slowly and gradually, like reduce the dosage, but not like how you, your doctor told you to skip a day. Yeah. I mean, you have to gradually like kind of cut the dosage in half, you know, and, and kind of go for it until the doc prescriber feels like, okay, it's safe enough for you to completely get off of it. Um, but I mean, do the, generally speaking, do people suffer through that weaning period or is it usually pretty gentle? See, it's hard because we're all so different. That's true. Our bodies well, are so different. I will just say, I'm not singling anybody out because it's been quite a few, just my own circle of friends. Uh, obviously, like I say, any names, but I have talked to a few of my closest and people. I have a lot of close friends, tons of people. I'm so supported and loved by so many of my friends. Um, I have talked to several of them and talked about what I'm going to talk about. And they're like, yeah, I tried. I just can't do it. Right. Yeah. That's I just, right. I, I just can't do it. Yeah. I, I tried. I can't do it. Right. And it's hard for me to hear that because it's like, oh, like it is hard. It, it That's how hard it is, mm -hmm. is that you just feel like you can't do it. And I'm going to say, I attribute my anxiety to getting off of them because what I thought about is, okay, you know, especially now, with real estate, you can't always be on an insurance and um, the insurance. Like, Maya's a realtor for those of you who don't yeah. know. <laughs> so 
the doctor, if they were to sit down and really map out, in fact, that should be like a law, hopefully futuristic, you know, okay, so we don't have insurance to cover this. And this is what we're going to do. Because if you can't fill that bottle, if you don't have the insurance to fill it, then what are you going to do? Who is going right. to help you? Is your doctor going to help you? Um, and so that's another reason why I was like, well, how do I stay on this? I have a ton of Alzheimer's dementia in my family, mm-hmm. a ton, so much that it's it's very scary. Um, but I can tell you that, um, some of my family members were on it and, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, I don't know if that's tied to it at all, but yeah, I I don't, I'm going to do everything in my power to try to steer away from that. That's a very, you know, scary illness and I don't, I don't want it. Right. Cause the insurance doesn't cover it. Then you're forced to get off of it like abruptly. Yeah. Yeah. And then experience like side effects. Yeah. Going back to your friends, it's like. Nobody wants to white knuckle their way through life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like nobody, I mean, that is to me, that's it's, So it's like, you're like, it's almost like pick your poison. You want to be shot or stabbed. Like you want to be on, like, that's how I feel about yeah. my own medication too. Do I want to be, be relying on this medication or do I want to white knuckle my way through life? It's like you, it's so hard. And so I'm always looking for that. I mean, in my, for my own situation, but this mine is very similar to this even for that how do you get off of something that your body seems to need and not be living in this desperate state of relief, needing relief all the time? And part of that is very intensive therapy, ongoing intensive therapy, but not everybody has access to that or has the funds to that. And it's very, I'm sorry, but I, I know I say this all the time. It's very hard to find a good therapist. I'm it sure is. you know. How yeah. I am. It is not no disrespect to the therapists out there, but I feel like all the really good ones are freaking not taking new patients. Yeah. It's so hard. Thank yeah. God you opened up your private practice. Everybody call Katera if you're looking for somebody. Yeah. Get her while you can. Um, but seriously, like it is very it so what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? I, so yeah. I always feel like it's um not that simple, but um not to not to get off track, but it's just um I get it is what I'm trying to say from your friends. And yeah. I commend you. I mean, I don't at, at the same time I I have I feel like, um, I don't know, like I feel you didn't feel more comfortable on them. You were not more. No, you're happier now. Okay. I remember looking in the mirror when my girlfriend was trying to get me back in the gym and work out with her, my girlfriend, Gloria, she's amazing. And she helped me a lot too. She was trying to, she's a Pilates instructor. She lives in Vegas right now. She's, I wish I could just give her a big hug right now. She's the most amazing person. She tried to get me into these exercise programs and helped me a lot with all the guidance. I remember looking in the mirror at the gym and just being like, is that me? Am I this big? I was huge. I was the biggest I'd ever been. And some people remember me being heavier. I still get it till this day because. I've worked for the same company now for almost 20 plus years and people will look at me and they're like, wow, you look great. You lost weight. But it's like, I lost the weight in my early, early thirties. So that was so long ago, but I was so heavy. It, I had tremendous weight gain on it, tremendous weight gain. And I was, I was completely unaware of it. I was unaware of it until I started to try to really help myself. And I remember looking in the mirror at the gym and thinking, I can't believe this is me. Like I look like this. And it was just, it it was the unhappiness of my physical appearance. It was the unhappiness of how I felt on the inside. It was both, you know? And then once the weight came off, I was still feeling terrible. 
even though I looked really good. And people, you know, I took that leave. When I came back to work, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, are you blogging? Back then it was blogging, remember? <laughs> remember does anyone even know about blogging? Yes. Yeah, back then it was blogging. This one woman approached me. She's like, are you blogging? I'll read your blog. And I was like, what? You know, I just, I, all I was doing was just trying to feel better. That's all I was doing, you know? And it was, it was tough. Even coming back to work, it was really, really, really tough. But I felt a lot better for that same year that's when everything started to change for me you know when I started okay I gotta make some really big changes I'm gonna keep this going yeah you know I think there's a cost with and there's a cost for to be on antidepressants at a, that comes at a cost uh-huh and you know in some cases there's a cost to be off them so you just yeah. have to figure out where do you want to pay you know which right. end do you want to pay at so the mental anguish that I had with the coming off of them is nothing compared to how I felt before I got on them no comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So which, after you're off the medication, which of the physical side effects improved and what uh, improved and which ones are you still struggling with? Yeah. Well, um, a lot of improvement with my stomach, gut health and bladder health too. And for me, my personal individual body, the gut health is so related to the bladder because the pressure from the, you know, intestinal discomfort pushing on my sensitive bladder was just like a double whammy. So <laughs> people hate taking uh, road trips with me. I'm like, I gotta pee. <laughs> Sorry, pull over. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> or let me sleep. I just won't talk to you. Yeah. So it's, that's kind of still something I struggle with, but it was really bad during the time frame of all of that because when you're not sleeping, oh my gosh, your body. So the bladder is yeah. the worst, would you say? I'd say they're being con- they're so connected. They're okay. they're both because the pressure from the discomfort from the pressure of my intestinal discomfort is putting pressure on my. That's how I feel. Like okay. my body's just so connected that way. And then, um, you know, I still get my menstrual cycle every month, and that's horrible. <laughs> What if, would yeah. you feel like the sleep disturbances were? Oh, they're so much better. So much better. Now when I get like five hours of sleep, I jump up and down for joy. Like five hours wow. of sleep isn't a lot for me. Wow. Like, yeah, like five hours. If I get five hours of sleep, sleep is the most important. When your body gets the right sleep, you feel like a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. It's restorative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I clear and- uh, yeah, I never had that before. Now I will say like even last night I slept pretty well. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to go on, take on the day. Um, but yeah, it just sleeping better for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sleep got a hundred million times better. And a lot of it, I, I gave up coffee. Sorry, everyone, but <laughs> I had to, <laughs> like, you can still drink coffee in moderation, but like, man, it yeah. was, I drank a ton of coffee. Yeah. I had to give it up. Had to. Yeah. Um, bef- prior to your split from your ex-husband, you guys, or you decided to start therapy. I know he went with you a couple of yeah. times. About three months in, you said you started to notice this is actually working. Like, yeah. You were off the antidepressants at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You guys hadn't split up yet. The therapy had started to work. What role did the therapy play in helping you heal at that point? Well, I realized I didn't want to really be married anymore. And after my mm-hmm. ex-husband started coming, I did talk to the therapist about like leaving him and like how do I do it what do I do um and it was a male therapist at the time and I remember just you know trying my best to 
go and see him. He was probably the longest relationship I had with a therapist um, where I just kept seeing him and it was like months into it. And then finally I was like, is this guy even helping me? And then one day he kind of said something. I was like, oh, okay, he is actually helping me. And, and I left my husband about, I was almost 36 years old, so 35, just about to turn 36. But I knew that I just didn't want the lifestyle of the partying and the drinking anymore. And I wanted to just be, I wanted to focus on what I needed to focus on was just getting healthier and, yeah. you know, feeling. So therapy actually helped you, um, gave you the clarity to put your life back. Yes. In, yeah. yeah. And it did help because I, it was amicable. Um, I think it was, it was hard. Um, but it was, it was a relief. I didn't have the struggles that some people do have when they first split up with their partner, you know, it's good. And we were, yeah, it was It's actually pretty amazing considering yeah. what you went through with your breakup in your late twenties. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. He, the, the difference between the two. Right? Very, very different. Yeah. And even, you know, in my current lifestyle, not everything that I'm going through if I feel bad, if I feel sad, I let myself feel that way. Sometimes it gets a little bit overreactive or I can go a little too far, but it's not, I'm not stuck in it. Well, you know? I wrote some, I didn't write it down on my yeah. notes here, but I wrote something down during our pre-interview that yeah. you said that I thought was really wise. And you said, you have to feel to heal. And yeah. I thought, or yeah. one of you guys said that, and yeah. I thought that's, it's so true. Yeah. You can't, you're not healing what's down there, what's buried. Yeah. Unless you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it so makes true. me wonder about the comparison. I didn't think about it until now, but if you compare your divorce to your breakup and during your divorce, you had therapy sort of guiding you yeah. and preparing you or whatever. And if the, during the breakup, if you had sort of something similar, I wonder if it would have been different. Yeah. I mean, it would have been. Curious. I was in my early 20s and I just felt so just confused and just hurt. And, yeah. you know, that kind of feeling where you, you can't escape it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like everything at that, right? Yeah. At that age, it's everything. Yeah. And I had never lived with someone before and I was like, oh, this is awful. Yeah. You know? So that, that was the kind of feelings that I was going through, but yeah. I want to ask you, Katera, um, your clients who decide to get on antidepressants temporarily, um, what role does the therapy play in the interim to assist them in the process? process? Because I would imagine for some people, their emotions aren't as close to the surface to like to access. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, if you can't feel like we've talked about those emotions as, as deeply is how, how are you able to do therapy? I mean, I know you're not drugged out. I mean, I'm not, right. I'm not under any illusions or delusions thinking like you're completely dr drugged, but is it hard to access? Does it become more about helping them improve their lifestyle or what role does it play? If for the temporary ones. Well, I mean, there's like, there's so many misconceptions about therapy, um, about like what it is. And so most people view therapy like as going to someone and just talking about their issues or that it must mean like, oh, I'm crazy or there's something wrong with me. But there's several ways that therapy can actually be helpful. And some examples of why people come to therapy is they just might be seeking some clarity, you know, in some areas of their life, or if they just want to work through some difficult emotions, um, or they may want to work through a traumatic experience or just learn how to change, you know, challenge those negative thinking patterns, um, or, you know, learn techniques to cope with difficult situations, or simply some people just want to focus on personal growth. So it's not always about just like, here I am going to vent and tell you all my, my issues mm -hmm. of my whole entire life. 
you know, not every client's like that. Yeah. So, I mean, in some, some sense, therapy is a way of addressing like lifestyle choices because you're, but you know, you need to change these unhealthy thinking and behaviors. Um, and the end goal is to feel better. So that's why people go to therapy. Yeah. But it's a process and people get confused as like, oh, I'm going to go a couple sessions and everything will be fine. And I always have to educate them like, no, this is not how this works. Yeah. It's like going depending, to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Depending on the person's, you know, issues or struggles, therapy can take a little bit of time or for some people, if they have a, just, you know, a few things to kind of address, it takes less time. Yeah. Sometimes with you, I feel like you have the capability of almost acting like in like in these people with these sh the short term need for for um, antidepressants to help like put goals in place. I mean, mm -hmm. I have intimate knowledge of how you work as a therapist, mm -hmm. so I'm speaking to that. But um, like where you like go, OK, let's let's what are we going to do this? Week? What do you want to work? What on? do you want to work? Mm -hmm. Let's work. OK, so then they almost they don't get like homework, but they get like, OK, well, this is our focus for the. And then they come back and it's like, okay, where are we at with this? And it's like, you're sort of putting the building blocks in place mm -hmm. to create that foundation. So when they wean off the antidepressants, again, this is for the temp people that are on temporarily, they have that nice foundation that you guys have built. Am right. I describing that? No, you're right? exactly yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. To me, that's how, mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's how it should be for those who would just temporarily need to build, make that bridge, um, that they should be able to create something with their therapist. And that's not just this venting session where you're not right. actually getting anywhere. there has to be a yeah. goal because otherwise you will be in therapy forever there's no goal yeah. in place and that's not the intention of therapy so when i hear of therapists seeing clients for years i'm like what is going on in these therapy sessions there's obviously no <laughs> goals because this person is you know especially like for things like anxiety and depression those yeah. are very treatable so yeah. if you're seeing a therapist for like years upon years something's not working there's what, what goals that, do you have established That's here? interesting because I have quite a few friends who see their I wonder. <laughs> I wonder how much of them are like stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Yeah, that's true getting that right. moment. Or having someone they can just talk to. Yeah. 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 Um, before we wrap up, I want to end with something you said in the pre-interview. We were talking about mental health issues and just different struggles with like anxiety and depression. I asked you if you've ever been in a spot or a rough patch where you considered getting back on the antidepressants. And we all know your answer to this, but your response to that question was so like emphatic and, and, and what is it about? Why is it, why do you feel so strong? Cause uh, you know, just look, just in letting the listeners in on this, you and I talked about discussing a few different things, two different topics. And this yeah. is the one that you felt really strongly about. Yes. What is it about it that you were like, heck no, never. Why is it, why do you feel so strong? Uh, I guess it was just the coming down off of it was horrific. And I cannot, I'm not speaking upon, okay, there's people that have struggles with alcohol, drugs, all of those different types of addictions. And, you know, uh, I can't compare myself to those people that have those individual um, situations, but this is the closest thing I can compare mm. it to is what happened to me. Yeah. And it was just, it was awful. The feeling that I had of just like, like it makes me emotional just talking about it. Like it was awful. Yeah. I'll never go back there. I'll never be on something that I have to get off of for me personally. And even with, um, you know, 
if I go into like I, I've had a few little minor surgeries and they're like, I want her to put, I don't know, what is that? No, I don't want any of that. Like, I don't want anything um, that's going to do anything that's going to give me some type of like side effect. You know, yeah. ibuprofen is about all I take. I won't even take a Vicodin. Like I just, yeah. Is it, is it the, um, is it, is what's triggering, triggering about it? Is it, is it the getting off of it? part of it or was it the being on part of it that brings you back to like the hell I think I think it's both, it's both because I remember how I felt when I was on it how I was such a different person it wasn't me it just wasn't I wasn't who I was yeah. I was this other person that felt too strongly about um I don't know it, it's hard because I barely remember that person because I was I was younger too obviously I was a lot younger it was a different person. I felt differently. I thought differently. Um, but I was on Lexapro for about six months after I'd weaned off and then weaned off of that again. Yeah. And I was seeing psychiatrists. I was seeing all these different doctors. I was seeing a sleep therapist that I really enjoyed. Um, he was great. He still shops with me. Um, <laughs> Maya's also a stylist. Yeah, I had um, I had a great year that next year because I kept meeting all these physicians. I'm like, come shop with me. Yeah, it was just yeah. So that that was that was a good that was a good year. Yeah. Um, but I, do we have much time left? Um, we're oh. just wrapping up. So go ahead. Okay. I was just gonna say my last thought was when I went to go see that sleep therapist. When I did see that young girl, I think I talked to you about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was just a young child who had severe she was just you know strapped down she was born with severe it's just uh i wouldn't know her diagnosis but she was not she was not well and i asked the doctor i said what you know is going on with her and he said well she was born that way you know she has a brain um something was going on with her brain and he just kind of died. he said what he said about her and i just said okay that poor little girl was born that way. Like, and I had this working body. I had this working mind. I, I, I can do this. I can feel better. I just have to try as hard as I can. And that's what I'm always going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm With always a lot of will. Yeah. It's tough. You yeah. know, it's not easy at times. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a you, lot, have, you have yeah. a lot of will and I think you've come a really long way. Yeah. I a lot. Mean, out of yeah. the shadows and, but I think that's life. You yeah, know, and I yeah. think we forget that. I yeah. think we forget that life, we think that, like, it should be easy, or why is it not easy? It's just not. Yeah. It isn't. It, it isn't. isn't. It isn't. We all have our version of the shit that we have to go through. I mean, yeah. we all do. You know, I have my 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 Lyme disease and chronic issues. Yeah. And she has Parkinson's, right. and you have this. I mean, we all have <laughs> well, our versions. I'm sure our producer over here has something, yeah. too. <laughs> He's off camera. But we all have something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so I think that when we realize that the goal isn't for us to be um, happy all the time, our goal is to get stronger in the process. Yeah. I mean, I feel and like... And also want to help people at the right. same time. I'm never going to stop helping people. Yeah. Like, there's that book about boundaries. There's several books about it. Everyone's like, oh, you've got to read this book. You've got to have boundaries. It's like, I have boundaries, kind of. But the type of person that I am, it's like, I just will always be there. Yeah. So. You should listen to our episode from last week. Boundaries on boundaries. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Well, as we close, I want to thank you both for being here. Thank you, Maya, for sharing your story and for giving us all something to think about. 
you have shared a side of this topic that I am now convinced it doesn't get shared enough. And I think it should be. We should all be given an opportunity for informed consent um, with every medication we're prescribed. Thank you, Katera, for joining us and giving us your perspective based on your experience with clients who have a story like Maya's. It's very enlightening all the way around. Um, guys, again, if you're looking for a therapist, um, I will leave Katera's um, information in the show notes uh, for you. And Maya, we wish you all the best. And thank you for sharing your story. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you back here next week. Bye. Okay. Bye. That's all for this episode of Humanity Unlocked. Do you have a personal story to share with us? We're all ears. Visit humanityunlockedpodcast.com and send us an inquiry. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please leave us a five-star review and hit subscribe to hear weekly episodes of our show.